In 1 Peter chapter 1, this is a letter that Peter wrote, and Peter, yes, he was, this is the disciple of Jesus that was probably the leader of the disciples. Once Jesus ascended into heaven, once his death and resurrection and ascension happened, And so this is him, but this is years after that. This is a mature Peter. This is a Peter who has gone through a lot. This, this, yes, this is the same Peter who denied Christ three times before his crucifixion, but this is also the the same Peter who took a step out of the water or out of the boat and walked on water a couple of steps. And this is the same Peter who was right there side by side with Jesus through many things. This is the same Peter who... When the soldiers were coming to arrest Jesus, Peter chopped off the guy's ear. And, of course, he was doing it, he thought he was doing it nobly. And Jesus said not to do that. If you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And so this is that Peter, but this is a Peter who has had a lot of time in between that moment and this moment. And so as we look at this this morning, I really want to encourage you to pay attention to these words for several reasons. First, we're going to talk about salvation and having a relationship with Jesus. And that in itself is what enables us to have hope and faith in the midst of suffering. Second, we will talk about suffering. And we will talk about how um, suffering exists for all of us. And if we haven't experienced it, we will experience it. But I'm pretty certain that all of us in here have experienced it. I mean, when we talk about becoming a human, uh, or being a human, I should say, suffering is from the get-go. I mean, you think about a mother's pregnancy and the morning sickness as that baby is growing. Sorry if I'm reminding you of some bad memories. Um, But you think about childbirth and how traumatic childbirth is. Uh, My respect and love for my wife and mother increased exponentially after my first son born was, uh, after John Michael was born, I realized, I mean, I already knew childbirth was pretty bad, you know, you hear that, Uh, but then being there, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing, and uh, my love and respect for women, I mean, it was already high, but man, it went up, and I wasn't even the one having the baby, so I can't even imagine, but we are born into suffering. We are born into trials. I mean, John, when John was a baby, as a lot of kids do, he, he uh, had jaundice. And, you know, just from the get-go, he was sick. That, and that's, that's part of life. It, part of life is going through trials. Part of life is going through suffering. Um, but as followers of Jesus, for those of us in here who are followers of Jesus, he can use that suffering for our good. It doesn't feel good in the moment. If we could choose not to be in it, I'm sure most of us would choose not to be in the middle of suffering at most points in our life. But he knows what he's doing, and we have to have faith. And that's just a little preview of what we're going to be doing. So if you will, look with me at 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 3. Remember, this is Peter, and he is writing to Christians who have been dispersed and scattered, whether it was from persecution or whatever the reason they're scattered throughout these regions, and he's writing a letter for this letter to be passed along. And so in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to begin to read in verse 3, and I'm going to read through 
verse 5, and just without stopping, because this is what we covered last week, and then we'll pick up and slow down at verse 6. So, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So just to briefly summarize what's going on there, Peter is praising God, praising God because according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That God did everything necessary in order to save us. Not only did he send his son Not only did Jesus die on the cross in order, not because he deserved to be punished, uh, but because he was taking our punishment. He had never sinned, yet he went to that cross willingly to, to pay for our sins. He was a sacrifice to take the place of us, God himself. And so many times we think about what God asks of us, how hard it is. If we're going to be a Christian, we have to do this and we have to do that. And we think about rules that we have to follow. And a relationship with Jesus is about a whole lot more than just rules, but here's what I want us to make sure that we are focusing on. We often see things from a a wrong human perspective when we should be seeing things through God's perspective. And the truth of the matter is, is that, yes, God desires for us to do good things. He desires for us to do right because he's a good God. Of course he would want us to do that, just like a good parent would want their kid to do good. But God... It's not just about what he asked us to do. He has done for us. He has proven his love. He has already done that through sending his son for us. And he continues to show his love for us. And and what he does is he saves us to something that is perfect, imperishable. It's not going to fade. It's not going to go away. It's undefiled, unfading, and it's kept in heaven for us. We talked about this last week in verse 4. God is the one guarding our salvation. And we talked about, and this is important, and the reason I have to review this is because it's going to specifically go into this week, but we talked about how salvation really is in three parts. There is the first part of salvation, which is justification, which when we ask Jesus to save us and to forgive us of our sins, when we put our faith in him and we become his, in that moment, he saves us, he forgives us. And that's when we can consider ourselves ourselves saved, is when we put our faith in him and he saves us. But then, there's a second part of salvation. Yes, we're saved, but we don't automatically become perfect, and we don't automatically go to heaven when we get saved. We're still here. And so there's this process of God making us more and more into his image, making us look like him. And that's called sanctification. And a lot of times that happens through the Holy Spirit just as we read Scripture and we realize things. The Holy Spirit enlightens us. And it shows us, it illuminates the scripture, and we realize changes need to be made, and we make those changes through God's, with God's help, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we become more like him. And other times, he uses outward forces like our situations and our circumstances. I can tell you this, that in times of suffering in my life, it has revealed the depths of my heart, the depths of my soul. It has shown me just how dark things can be. And maybe you can't relate to this. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. But in times of suffering, 
it has revealed to me that I'm not nearly as close to God as I thought I was. It has revealed to me that I'm much more prone to despair and hopelessness. I'm much more prone to being like the uh, Israelites who wanted to go back to Egypt. I just, I want to go back to something else because I don't want to be in this moment because the suffering is too much. It has revealed, suffering has revealed a lot of things to me about what needs to change. And we're going to talk about that specifically in the sermon today. And so what in your life today needs to change? Maybe you're going through some suffering right now. Maybe you've been through some suffering recently. If not, then just hold on because you're probably going to be going through some suffering in the near future. And so with that suffering, let it be a a tool for your good. What is it revealing about yourself? We can't oftentimes change the things that happen to us. Sometimes we can, but there are times when things happen that are out of our control. We can't change those things. But what we can do is we can choose how we respond to that. And we'll talk about that. And then salvation, not only... Is it justification happens in a moment? Sanctification, it's what God, how he makes us more and more into his image. He matures us. Uh, But then the last part is glorification, which means that one day either we die or Jesus returns and there will be an end to suffering. There will be no more pain, no more sickness, no more tears. Our salvation will be complete in the fullest sense. It was locked. It was set in stone. It is guarded by God in heaven right here. The moment we get saved. But then there's this process of God working out our salvation. There's this process of us becoming more and more like him until that moment when we go to be with him and our salvation is complete. Now, for some people, that's short. Some people get saved on their deathbed and they don't have hardly any time for sanctification and then they're with Jesus. For others, it's a lifelong process. But we don't know when that moment of death is going to come, so we don't want to wait for salvation. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then we need that now, yesterday. We already need it. We've needed it. And blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. And so we can thank God that he has given us this opportunity. Now, I wanted to review that because of where we're going. Look at verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. In this you rejoice. In this you rejoice being the salvation that God has given us, the salvation that has happened for those of us who are followers of Jesus. It's happened. We've put our faith in him. We've been born again. It's happening, and it will be complete. It will happen in its full fullness one day. In this you rejoice. That is something to rejoice about, Right? How many of you are excited that Jesus saved you? How many of you are excited that he's not just waiting for heaven to give you good things? Right now, he's working you into who he wants. He's forming you and shaping you into the person he desires for you to be. He's making you more like himself. He's giving you hope. He's giving you joy. He's giving you blessings right now in the midst of suffering. How many of you rejoice in that? How many of you are glad that one day there will be no more pain? There will be no more tears. There will be no more suffering. In this, you rejoice. But do we rejoice enough in that? Just that thought that, yes, we go through suffering. Yes, life is hard. Yes, it's overwhelming sometimes or it feels that way. Yes, all those things are true. And I've been there. 
I've been there many times. But you know, it's also true that God is good and that he knows what he's doing and that he has a plan and he's working it together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Those things are also true. It's also true that he, according to his great mercy, he has given us a way to salvation. That's true. And so in this, we rejoice. You rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Listen, a little while is relative, right? Rose is sick right now. She has a fever. Um, she's having to go to the hospital, or the doctor, not hospital, um, because like half of the population in the River Valley, she probably has the flu. And when, we, when you have the flu, um, how long does an hour seem? It seems like a long time, okay? When you are watching the end of an Arkansas Razorback basketball game, how long does an hour seem? It seems like a long time right now. But what about when we are having a blast? Think about something you enjoy. And think about when you're out doing that. And think about how fast time flies. I can remember being a little kid. I couldn't tell time yet. I don't have very many early memories in my life, but this is one of them that I do have. I was either in kindergarten, maybe first grade, and my dad said that, uh, hey, I'm going to go inside, and he said 30 seconds, but I thought he meant 30 minutes. And so me and my friend literally got to throw the football twice, and he was back out. And I was like, don't you said you were going to be 30 minutes? And no, 30 seconds. It's it's different. It's just a, a very quick and he was explaining this to me, and I was distraught because I thought I was about to get to play football with my friend for a long time, you know. And so, in a similar way, time between us and God, it's not, it's not on the same level. It doesn't f- appear the same. God is outside of time. Time does not affect him. From the moment of Christ's ascension to the moment of his return, it's like that. Think about time in this way. When we're young, let's say we're 16, we get our driver's license. It feels like it's going to be forever before we get out of our parents' house, right? For some people it is. But for others, it comes a little more quickly. But either way, is, is it really forever? No, it's, it's very brief. But then we get older, and I'm only 37 and uh, had to do the math for a second. And already, time is starting to change. Now, time itself doesn't change, of course, but my perception of time changes. It, it's altered as I get older. I look at my children, and I think, like, I was just talking about John Michael's birth. That seems like yesterday, and now he's 42 years old. Okay, maybe not that old. He's going to be eight in a couple of weeks. And I think about Rose and I, we've been married over 13 years. It seems like yesterday. I think about my high school graduation, which this year is my 20th high school reunion. But some of y'all have already had your 50th, so it's okay. Time, doesn't time just go by so fast? And suffering Suffering is like this with time. 
when we're in the middle of it, it feels like we're never going to get through it. It feels like we're never going to escape. But that's, that's just a perception of the moment. And I'm not, I don't want to take away from our perception because the way we perceive things affects the way we feel. It affects a lot. But I do think that it's important, even in the middle of our suffering, just to try to, to pause life, to stop, and to take a step back and just try to see things from outside of the suffering. Try to see things from God's perspective. Try to remember that he is doing something for us. And, and look, in this you rejoice, the salvation, though now for a little while, compared to eternity, even a lifetime of suffering is a little while. And so, though now for a little while, if necessary, I don't know why and I don't understand this, but on this earth, suffering is necessary and God is going to use it for good. And when I say suffering is necessary, it's necessary because we have sinned. Sin brought suffering into the world. But I'm saying our suffering right now, what we're going through. The Bible talks about the purpose for suffering happening in a few different ways. Uh, one is, I'm just going to hit on two of these. One is that we have sinned, and our sin causes suffering. That it, we are experiencing the consequences of our actions. That is a reality for a lot of us. Um, but then also, uh, it, it also speaks to suffering that is outside of our hands, that is just a part of life. We suffer because of the actions of other people. We suffer because we live in a world where sickness exists. We suffer for things that are outside of our hands. And so God can use all of that, whether we brought it on ourselves or whether it is caused by the actions of others or whether it's just a, a part of being on this earth. He can use that suffering for good. So, verse 6, in this you rejoice, salvation, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by, by various trials. Don't, doesn't suffering come from every direction? Doesn't it come from the most expected and least expected places? Isn't suffering just something that is always knocking at the door. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Verse 7. Why these trials? Verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So let's look at that verse in detail. So that the tested genuineness of your faith. You remember earlier how I said that when, when I go through suffering, it reveals the core of who I am. It reveals what is deep inside. Things that I thought weren't there, here they are. Well, this is how God tests the genuineness of our faith. And I don't believe that this is saying... Um, solely that this is showing if we're Christians or not. It, it does do that. I think, it do, I think suffering will show us, do we have a hope? Do we have a relationship with Jesus? Is he who we, turn into, we are turning to in a time of need? Or is there no relationship? 
Are we just going through this and struggling through this and suffering through this on our own? And so I do think it shows that. But I also think that it shows the level of maturity. That's why the title of the sermon earlier that was posted is what it is. It's a surefire test of our maturity. And, and this calls here in the middle of this sentence, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, that cause, I think, is proof of what I'm saying, that it's not just about whether we're saved or not, but it's also about the quality of our relationship with Jesus, the maturity that we have in him. Because how do we test gold? How do we purify it? Well, it's like any precious metal. You take that metal and you put it over a fire, and that fire and that heat starts bringing the impurities, the dross, to the top of that metal, and then you pour that stuff off, and the precious metal is left behind. The impurities rise to the top. And I believe that suffering can work for us in this way, that God can allow us to go through things. God, though for a little while, if necessary... In verse 6, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, God allows trials to test the strength, the maturity, the resolve of our faith. Think about the things that you have been through. I'm not saying that, that they happen solely so that you could become a more mature Christian. I'm not saying that. I, that would be us-centered and that would, that would mean that the world revolves around us and everything happens to affect me or, you know, why is God doing this to me? Or That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we live in a world where pain and hurt and suffering and those things happen and they can be very difficult and near unbearable, but God in his sovereignty has worked it out so that as we're going through all these things that are happening, they can mean something to us personally. They can be for our good personally. And so while I'm not saying that we should be like, woohoo, bring on the suffering, I am saying that when suffering comes, we could, and this is so hard, I, I just need to confess this, I'm really bad at this, because I don't want to be up here preaching and telling you to do something that is truth and, and pretend like I have it all figured out or that it's easy for me to do this. I am not good at suffering. In fact... I don't like the look in my wife's eyes as I'm complaining or doing whatever I'm doing as the suffering is taking place. I can see in her eyes that my behavior and my response is not healthy. Um, It's a mixture of mm, a little disappointment, like, I thought you were more mature than this. That's a sting. Uh, And also, do I have to raise three children? What are you talking about? It's a mixture of that look. And so I'm not claiming or pretending that I am good at going through suffering. I'm just saying that I know the truth of Scripture and that I know the truth of experience and and the short amount of time I've been on this earth. And some of you know this experience even more so uh, as uh, Elizabeth was talking about with what her Sunday school teacher said about how uh, God has proven himself faithful all the time. And so in this, God has proven himself faithful. He has Test, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, 
may be found to result in praise and glory. So let's go back to that gold. You put the fire under it, you're heating it up, right? We've used this example before. Some of you have known this example for a long time. This is why this example is used in Scripture. It's used not only here, it's used in other places. It's not always gold. Sometimes it's silver. But this purifying of metal, of these precious metals, is, is something that's common in Scripture. And the fire is under there, and the fire in this case is representing the various trials, the, the tribulations that we're going through. Maybe these trials are, are outward things. Maybe they're temptations. Maybe it's different. Whatever it might be, it's various trials. And they're testing us. And what is it bringing to the top in our life? It's bringing the impurities. It's bringing that dross out, up. And it's showing us the things that need to change. And, it, and when, when we're going through trials and we see the lack of faith that we have, it's boiling to the top. When we're going through financial problems and we resort to wrong means to solve those problems, it's bringing that up. When we get stressed out and we go to the bag of potato chips for comfort, it's bringing that up. When we don't want to be who God has called us to be, and so we hide ourselves behind a television screen or a phone screen or a computer screen, and we're wasting time, we're wasting the preciousness of how short life is, as we talked about earlier, it's bringing those things up. Our trials and our tests, it shows us who we really are. And, and deep down in the core of the ugliness of the old man, it's bringing that stuff out. Why? Not just so God can show you, mm, Philip, you're really bad at going through trials. You really do lack faith. You really can't see the big picture here. It's not just for that. It's because he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. And in the process of our salvation, he wants us to become more like him. And these trials are revealing things that are wrong so that we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can change those things. So that we can become more and more like him. So that we can be ready. And, and, and this is going to play out here as we close Let's look at how everything that we've been talking about, everything we've been describing is right here in this passage. And I'm going to start at verse 7, back at the beginning. So the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when God puts us through those trials, when he brings those things into our life, and we're going through that, and all these ugly things are rising to the top, and we can pour those out, and we can get rid of that, and what are we left with? In this scenario, we're left with Jesus, spiritually speaking. If all the bad of humanity is gone, what is left? What we saw in Jesus. And that's what we look for. That's what we long for. And that's why we don't say, oh, I can't wait for my next trial. But that is why we say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, as Job said. That's why we can say, though God slay me, I'll trust him. I'll love him. I'll be his, as Job said. 
That's why we can trust God in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the trials, when we're distracted, when all we can see is the hurt, when all we can see is the pain, when all we can see is hopelessness, when all we can see is that. Just look for the little beacon of light that is shining through. Just look for Jesus because he has proven his love for us and he has done it over and over and over and over and over again and he will continue to do it and he is our living hope. We can trust in him. We can put our faith in him. And he's, he's working it out for our good. Look at verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Peter saw him. Peter knew him. But many of these people did not. And none of us have seen him in the flesh. And so, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of the suffering, we know he's there. We know salvation is coming. It's already come for us if we have a relationship with him. He's working this into his image even in the midst of the trials and suffering. And one day, there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. Our salvation will be complete. God knows what he's doing. He is completely aware of every single thing that you are going through, that you have been through, that you will go through. He's aware of it all. He can be trusted. We can't see it. We are stuck in the box of suffering. We can't see outside of it, but he can. He has overcome. Therefore, we have overcome. And we can't see him, but we love him. We don't now see him, but we believe in him. And we rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. How can we have joy in the midst of suffering? We can have it because of who Jesus is and because of what he has done and because of how we know he is using that suffering for our good. But one day I walked into my kitchen and I was telling Rose what I was going through. And Rose said, what's God doing in this? And I said, I don't know what God is doing in this. I don't want to think about what God is doing in this. This is just really, really, really hard. And if you're in a place like that, guess what? That does not diminish God one bit. It's just revealing something about you that should change. It's okay. God allowed these things to happen. This is part of life. It wasn't all about you. But it can be for your good. And these things happen and you experience them. And it's bringing the ugliness to the top. And it's not so God can mock you and say, look how ugly you are. It's so God can say, I saved you. I loved you. Your salvation will be complete one day. It already is complete. We just, ha- we just can't see the fullness of it yet. And God is saying to you, this is what I saved you from. This is why I sent Jesus, to save you from the hurt and the pain and the suffering and the sin and all of these other things. So we believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Too many times we don't do that. If you were to scroll social media right now or you were to go and hear the gossip at the local hair salon or coffee shop or wherever you hear the gossip, then it it wouldn't be about how amazing God is and what he's doing and how inexpressible his joy is. It would be about how this thing is happening and that person is doing that. Let's, Let's change that. If those things are happening, that's bringing up something that shouldn't be there. Let's put our faith in him. Let's trust in him. Let's see the good in what he is doing. Verse 9. 
obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now, you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The salvation of your souls in the present tense. However, it's also all tenses, isn't it? You have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. We can rejoice. Because what is the testing showing? It's showing us where we stand spiritually. So my question to you this morning is, where do you stand spiritually? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Are you a Christian? Have you been born again? Is he your God? If not, you can choose to follow him this morning. Or maybe you're, you are a Christian, but you are going through suffering. And you're, you're on the fire. And with the silversmith, the story goes that when they keep pouring the iniquities off, the impurities off, the silversmith knows when the silver is complete and in, in 99.99% in the case of metal, it can't be 100%, but when it's as pure as it's going to get. And he can see, the way he knows it's ready is he can see his reflection in it. So does God see his reflection in you this morning? Do other people see Jesus in you this morning? Each one of us in here are facing various trials, and we are all in different places. And so how is God using these things that are going on in our lives for our good? And then, maybe right now, all you can do is say, God, I'm ready for the day when my salvation will be complete. I'm ready for no more suffering. I'm ready for no more pain. I can't take another day. I need you right now. I need something to change. Maybe you can't even say that. Maybe you're in a place where all you can say is, God, why? Help. Maybe all you can express is utterances and groanings of the Holy Spirit. God knows why you are where you are. He knew you would be here. This did not catch him by surprise. So this morning, whatever you're going through, you can trust him. You can trust him with your past. You can trust him with the right now. And you can trust him with whatever he brings in the future. So let us rejoice, even in the midst of suffering, let us rejoice that we have a God who loves us enough to save us, to send his son. Let us rejoice that we have a God who loves us enough not just to let us just sit in the midst of suffering with no help and no hope, but he's working it together for good. Let us rejoice that we have a God who has promised he will come back and he will make it all right. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. God, I just pray that this morning that we would that you would meet us where we are right now. Every single one of us is in a different place in our walk with you, in our level of maturity. And God, you have allowed things to happen in our life that we cannot control, that are out of our hands, but you know what you're doing. And so God, I pray that, that, that this morning, 
for all of us, Lord, that you would meet us where we are and that you would bring us a joy that is inexpressible, that you would bring us revival, Lord, that you would help us in our time of despair, in our time of hope, and in the need of hope, Lord, that you would be here and be present in a way that we we can't see you, but in a way that you give us deeper faith and deeper belief in what cannot be seen in you. God, I just pray that you would do this through the power of your Son, the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would help each one of us where we are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand well. That was one of those sermons where now I'm going to go home and just feel like exhausted from thinking about suffering so much. And so, but it's important to remember that in the midst of suffering, that we have a hope and a joy that is inexpressible. We have a God who is good. And so I hope you know him. And I hope you have experienced this inexpressible joy that I'm talking about. Because I would tell you about it, but it's inexpressible. It's so good. And so, anyway, um, I do want to remind you that if, if you gave, uh, if you have some contributions that you need a statement for um, from 2018, then Billy will be in the back with those. And so you might want to make sure you stop by and get those before you leave. Um, and, and he'll be in the foyer. I say the back. The back for me is the foyer. Um, and so thank you guys for coming. And, and I just want to say this, that... Um, Sunday morning worship is an important time. It's an important time for us to come together and to hear from God's word and to hear preaching, to sing songs together, to hear skilled musicians and and beautiful voices. It's important for us to be together and to worship together for those reasons, to pray together. Um, But we have a lot of other times that are just as important or in some cases more important for us to be together. And I just want to encourage you, if if you need a place to be tonight at 6 p.m., we'll come here and we'll dive deeper into what we talked about this morning. We will even, in smaller groups, share our stories about how we have gone through suffering in our life and how God was there to give us hope in the midst of it. And then for those of us who are currently going through suffering, we will pray for one another. And that stuff is important. It's just as important as what I just preached, that we live it out, that we put it into action, and we help each other do that on Sunday nights. And uh, before this worship service, there, we have Sunday schools. And every Sunday, we t- get together in groups, and we study the Bible together, and we t- talk about those things in smaller groups. And so I encourage you to be there for that. And then Wednesday nights, maybe you can't be at all these things, but hopefully you can be at some of them. On Wednesday nights, we have a whole bunch of children that come here and get to hear about Jesus. We have a lot of adults that help teach. In that, and when I say children, I'm, I'm talking about our younger kids, but we also have youth teenagers that meet up in the youth room that um, Matt Howell leads our youth group on Wednesday nights. And then we have a men and women's group. They meet separately on Wednesday nights. And so there's something for everybody of every age, and I really encourage you if you can get involved to do that. Uh, but then outside of this building, we need to be the church. We need to be hanging out. We need to be eating together. We need to be encouraging one another. Sometimes, I'm going to use Kenny as an example because he's on the stage with me. If Kenny is going through a suffering or a moment in his life that, where he's struggling and he's new to our church, maybe he wouldn't say something on a Sunday night or Sunday school or Wednesday night. Maybe he would only say something if he was in your home or you were in his home. 
Maybe he would only say something if there was more intimacy there, if there was a friendship there. And so it takes more than just attending church. Let's be the church, okay? And so I, I went off on a tangent there, but thank y'all for coming. I really do appreciate it, and I love you guys, and I hope to see God bless us. And so I'm going to ask Jimmy, if you would, if you would close us with prayer.